0: Welcome to the Smoke and PTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Diver. I am a survivor of suicide, a survivor of childhood emotional and physical abuse, as well as a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a retired first responder. I started this podcast to help me on my journey to wellness by sharing my story, my thoughts, and my experiences in a hope that my story will reach and help others and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. With that being said, I'm not a licensed mental or behavioral health professional. I'm just a guy who's been through some stuff and has experienced a trauma survival. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, medical treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding any mental health symptoms and never disregard professional help or delay in seeking professional advice or treatment because of something you have heard on this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode as your comments can only serve to improve the content. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. So today we're going to talk about uh, coping mechanisms, both positive and negative coping mechanisms. And coping mechanisms can be both good and bad and have positive and deleterious effects on our behavioral health. And some of the information that I'm going to relay here comes from the uh, VeryWellHealth.com website. So coping mechanisms are strategies that people use to deal with stress and uncomfortable thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we have on a daily basis. And whether we realize it or not, we're using these coping mechanisms regularly. Uh, Perhaps we're not getting into fights every day, um, or we're not getting into situations that could cause us harm, but we are... On a daily basis and regularly throughout the day, using these coping mechanisms to help us to regulate our responses to certain stimuli. And to help us cope with stress in a positive way and sometimes in a harmful way uh, is what these these coping mechanisms do for us. So we're going to talk about the different... Uh, coping styles and type of coping mechanisms and ways that we can improve our coping skills. So positive coping mechanisms are going to help us to decrease the side effects of stress. No matter how hard you try to avoid stress or alleviate stress in your daily life, you're still going to come upon stressors, whether those are internal or external, they're going to be there. And as we've discussed before, our stress response is triggered by the fight or flight or fight role of the sympathetic nervous system, and specifically the amygdala and the associated hormone dump that causes our body's response to certain stressors and stimuli. And the main hormone that gets dumped there is adrenaline, which causes our breathing to increase, our heart rate to increase, our eye, our pupils to dilate so that we can see more around us. Our peripheral vision becomes a little bit more um, in tune, so to speak, and our body is ready to either fight off the aggressor or to flee from the aggressor. And the adrenaline gives us that burst of energy to do those things. But as we've seen, In amygdala hijack, our body doesn't readily know when we are experiencing a real stressor or simply a heightened emotional state that those of us with PTSD and CPSD constantly find ourselves in. So we are constantly dumping those hormones and those neurotransmitters, and we are in a constant heightened state of affairs, which that is going to increase our need. And want to react to these stressors, no matter how benign they may be. So our our coping mechanisms are classified as active or avoidant. Active coping means that you recognize the source of your stress and you're taking steps to change the situation or the the way you respond to it. Like going to therapy, doing TMS, or stopping your external stress relievers like drugs and alcohol. Avoidant coping occurs when you ignore the problem or an issue that is causing you stress. And as we've discussed, avoiding the internal stressors and problems leads us to mask them using drugs, alcohol, sex, and other problematic behaviors that we are going to use to try and dull that pain. These examples are called maladaptive coping mechanisms and serve no positive purpose in our um behavioral health and wellness journey maladaptive coping mechanisms are negative ways of dealing with our stress and they commonly occur in people who have experienced uh, childhood trauma or abuse or those of us that have experienced as well um, traumatic experiences in military first responders or just having witnessed um, traumatic events and Though these behaviors might temporarily distract you from the stress, they can eventually lead to physical and emotional harm. And a couple of examples that this website shows were drinking excessive amounts of alcohol, using and abusing drugs, uh, anger outbursts and and road rage, or just um, being in a heightened state of rage all the time and just looking for that one trigger that's going to set us off. And I've, I've known some people that were always in that heightened state and they always went out and actively looked for that trigger because being violent with another person was the only way that they could properly relieve their stress. <clears throat> it goes on to say that uh, denying or ignoring the problem, self-harm, binge eating, and negative thoughts, which... Negative thoughts are going to come, and they do come. However, it's how we respond and react to those negative thoughts that are going to be the difference between the positive or the maladaptive coping mechanisms. Examples of adaptive coping mechanisms, which are the mechanisms that are going to empower us to change a stressful situation or to adjust our emotional response to the stress... Or even just to allow us to sit in a quiet room and relax, not always be in that heightened state or that, that ready to fight or ready to fly, run away from the issues state of emotion that we can constantly find ourselves in. But this list includes deep breathing, meditation, exercise certainly helps, journaling helps, and having positive thoughts which obviously uh, easier said than done i know in my situation the the negative thoughts always seem to overpower and outweigh the positive thoughts but i do stress upon myself to have positive thoughts about myself throughout the day uh reading a book and this says aromatherapy which i've i've not tried that but That's what's on this list here. And reading a book, journaling, meditation, those are all forms of mindfulness that we talked about a couple episodes ago. So all of these coping mechanisms all tie in with one another in helping us to not only to understand what is happening inside of our minds, but also ways that we can learn and research and train our minds to not adversely react to these stressors when they happen to come our way. So how do we improve coping skills? Improving our coping skills, it takes a lot of time, effort, and energy. Uh, The positive aspect of that is that we are going to have a better way of dealing and understanding the stressors that we encounter and how we handle those. The negative aspect of that, the, the same side of that flipping coin, is that we may not want to deal with these stressors because it's hard. The, the work that we have to do to become at ease and at peace with our PTSD is incredibly hard. We have to identify that we have a problem, and sometimes that's, that's the hardest part. That's what uh, I've learned from doing some research about alcoholism, is that the hardest part is identifying... Not only in yourself, but saying it out loud to others that, hey, I have a problem. Uh, Because that just, it it brings in the the stigma of shame and vulnerability. And you're going to be perhaps even ridiculed by your friends who you always go out drinking with. Uh, Having friends who you share a beer with every now and again... Is great, but when they start, when you say, "Hey, I have a problem. I don't want to do this anymore," and you start getting ridiculed, those really aren't and weren't friends to begin with. But ways that we can improve our coping skills is to identify your stressors, uh, and that that's kind of the beginning of of the road. Here is to identify when we are being stressed. Identify what is causing that stress. And adapting the positive coping mechanisms to be most effective when we are able to identify what our stressors are. So it says here to also take note of current coping skills and to notice how you respond to your stressors and determine whether you are currently using positive or negative coping mechanisms. Reading a book about PTSD and doing a workbook perhaps with a glass of bourbon in your hand is really not a good coping mechanism. You are masking one and really ignoring the other. So you may also need to try a couple of different steps here. Journaling, um, that list that I read before was, was good, but it doesn't mean that you can only do one or another, so journaling, I do journaling. I go to yoga. Uh, as you know, I, I stopped drinking almost five years ago. I don't do any drugs. I try to have positive thoughts. So it's, it's not just one thing that you're going to do and it's going to make everything better. There, there's going to be a cumulative effect of having to try different things and do different things because not everything is going to work for you. If simply sitting down in a journal and journaling is what makes it perfect for you, then great. And you don't need anything else. That's awesome. Uh, I applaud you. But that that has just not been my experience. My experience has been that more than one of those positive coping skills is going to be needed. Um, and don't be afraid to try... To try others, not everything is going to work for you, and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that it's a failure. It just means that you, you need to try something different. So also goes on to say making it a habit um, to incorporate your coping skills into your daily schedule. So you take a few minutes, uh, maybe on your lunch break, and rather than sit in the cafeteria or your desk, Um, until your lunch break is over, after you finish your meal, go outside and take a walk if the weather's nice. Even if the weather's not so nice, go outside and take a walk. The exercise will release the endorphins. Uh, You can clear your head. You can get out of the office, get out of your work environment for a few minutes. Just try different things that are going to help you to feel less stressed, even if that is sit at your desk and do your deep reading exercises or if you don't want to do that sometimes you don't want the unnecessary attention that that may cause you can go sit in your car um, or a quiet spot maybe even the restroom um, and just do your deep reading exercises and the the last thing on the list here and certainly not the least is to get some help uh, and as, as you guys know as uh, listeners to this podcast I am a advocate for having a therapist and going to see a therapist and speaking with a therapist. I think everyone could use that a few times a year. Um, I still plan on going to see Dana. It's not going to be on the regular basis that it was, which is good, but I am still going to go see her just for my, I'll call it a cleansing, um, that that I will enjoy going to see her and speaking with her and being able to catch up on some things and continue my progress. So identifying what our stressors are and finding positive coping mechanisms and positive ways of coping with our daily stressors are going to help us in the long run and help us feel better. And it's also going to help us to identify what is working what does work and what does not work. And again, just because you find something that doesn't work doesn't mean that we give up on finding help. There are going to be myriad ways in which we can find help. Uh, And even if you do see a therapist and you're not finding or you don't think you're experiencing the results that you should be experiencing, then find another therapist. Just because you find one doesn't mean you have to stick with them. Uh, that was a, a hard lesson that I learned a few years ago that uh, I went to see a, another therapist and I didn't, didn't like her from the get-go and was not comfortable with her and didn't feel that she was paying attention to me. Uh, when I was speaking to her, I found, I felt that she was formulating her next thought rather than listening to the answer to the question or the comment that she had made previous. And I stopped seeing her, fired her essentially, and went and found another therapist. This was when I was in New Jersey. Uh, and Valerie was, she was a good therapist. I, I enjoyed her. Although she did not specialize in trauma and did not specialize in treating first responders. So that was the one negative that I had was the first few meetings that I had with Valerie. I had to explain to her what it was I did, what it was I saw. Uh, not every day, but, but the things that I have seen and the things that I've witnessed um so it took a while to to get through that hurdle, but once once we got through that, and she had an understanding of who I was, we were able to to more move forward with a, a treatment plan, which was one of the reasons why when I came out to Arizona, I specifically searched for a therapist that specialized in trauma and was a first responder or veteran. So that that's how I ended up with Dana. Um, so make sure when you're searching for your therapist that they are skilled and trained to talk about the things and treat the things that you're there to talk about and want to get healing with. Every therapist goes to school, every every therapist is trained. Every therapist reads the books and has degrees, but they're not all trained to deal with some of the stuff that veterans and first responders deal with on a daily basis. And that goes a long way to shortening the length of time, in my opinion, that your healing process is going to take and you have a better chance of moving forward in a, at a positive rate if you have a therapist that understands what you go through and knows how to help you go down that, that path of uh, wellness together. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Please rate, subscribe, and review as your comments can only serve to improve this podcast. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988 Veterans can also call 988 and press 1 or text eight three eight two five five. You can reach me on Twitter at PTSD, on Instagram at Smokin underscore PTSD, or email me at the PTSD podcast at gmail.com. And please remember, everyone you meet is struggling with something you know nothing about, so please, let's be kind to one another.